Hello, and welcome to the Tech UK podcast. I'm Lewis Wormsley Brown, Head of Market Access and Consumer Tech at Tech UK. Today, I'm joined by Trevor Godman from market research and intelligence firm GFK to discuss the findings of our annual study into the UK connected home market. This yearly collaboration, now in its seventh edition, surveys people across the UK to understand consumer interest, ownership, and usage of a range of connected home or smart products. If you'd like to read the report before listening, it can be downloaded from the Tech UK website. Just search Tech UK State of the Connected Home 2023. Trevor, welcome. Hi, Lewis. Thanks for having me. So, uh, yeah, so just to kick us off, for the benefit maybe of any listeners who haven't seen previous editions, could you please just give us a quick overview of what the State of Connected Home report is and what it covers? Sure. So, as you say, we've been running it for, for the last um, six or seven years, and it really takes data from, from two places. Um, the main source is a survey of UK consumers. So we interview them online, and we always do that in kind of April or March time. Um, and it's really asking them about their familiarity with, their interest in, and their ownership of um, a, a range of connected home um, products. So we do that kind of from a product level up, by and large. Um, so we ask people about a range of devices, um, so some smart domestic appliances, things like smart refrigerators and washing machines or kettles and coffee makers, about smart entertainment devices, TVs and speakers, um, and then through to some kind of home management um, services, uh, d- devices, so things like th- smart thermostats, um, smart plugs, smart lights, alarm systems and doorbells and things like that, um, and then also about some smart health smart health monitors, so mostly fitness trackers, um, but also some other more kind of uh, illness-specific devices. Um, So most of the data was taken from there, but we also um, lean on some of GFK's retail panel data that looks at how many of those devices are being sold through um, consumer channels um, and what the value of those sales is. Um, So we try to get kind of a, a consumer view, but also a retail side view of the market. And in terms of how the market's looking, uh, anyone who hasn't been living under a rock will be well aware that we're living through challenging economic times and consumer confidence is very low compared to historical averages. So how's that impacting sort of the overall picture of the connected home market in the UK? Um, so, So the market is tough, as you say, Lewis, particularly we've seen kind of through um, the, the the outbreak of the war in Ukraine, the energy crisis um, that, that followed it and people's um, and, and then the cost of living crisis that, that, that followed that. Um, consumer confidence has been lower over a lot of the last year than it has been at any point in the last 50 years. Yeah. Um, and consumers are being really careful about what money they spend and what they spend their money on. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're not prepared to invest in areas where they see a, a benefit. Um, so in that context, um, we're seeing relatively robust performance for connected home categories. And um, there's a little bit of decline in in the market in terms of both sales volume and value, down 2% for value, sorry, 2% for volume, 3% for value. Um, but that's a little bit less dramatic um, than the, the, the wider tech and durables sales kind of across other non-smart categories um and also really importantly we saw a big kind of surge in sales through the covid pandemic and kind of the lockdown period in 2020 2021 um, and the market compared to kind of pre-covid levels is up in a really healthy position so sales volume is up about 11 percent compared to the the year before covid and value is up 32 percent so so while the market's a little bit down on where it was a year or two ago, kind of in that longer term sense, it's actually still in a really healthy position. 
So this year we saw sales in total of around 20 million units and about five billion pounds in value. Um, is this driven primarily by big ticket items like your refrigerators and that and your televisions, et cetera, or are we seeing more of a spread across subcategories? Um, I think the answer is kind of, kind of yes to both of those. Um, so, so those big ticket items, TVs in particular, are a big driver of, of value. Um, so TVs account for just under a quarter of, of volume sales, um, and a TV is pretty expensive. Um, so, so it's about 48% of, of sales value. Um, and in terms of some of the, the categories like um, smartwatches and printers and smart speakers that have been big drivers of volume over the last few years, that's where we're seeing some kind of some softness in terms of the market. So some declines in some of those categories. Um, but there's a much healthier picture um, around some of the areas that have been kind of traditionally slightly lower in terms of, of, of volume. Um, so smart domestic appliances over the last couple of years, first of all, washing machines, and then the last year, um, more around dishwashers. Sales have been really quite quite healthy there. And, and those domestic appliances are, are kind of big ticket items. They drive market value as well. Um, but we're also seeing kind of really strong growth in kind of some, some lower value items, things like smart doorbells, um, other home security devices like smart cameras, motion sensors, and things like that. So there's a, a real mixed picture. And we've seen this over the last few years. It's kind of the, the, the real growth driver from year to year moves around a little bit, um, but the, consistently we've been seeing strong performance across the market overall uh, for, for the last three or four years. Just going back to that point there, you were saying about comparing to pre-pandemic levels. So I think we will find it relatively straightforward to understand that during lockdowns, people are more inclined to spend more on their home environment. Um, during 2022, 2023, when this latest data was collected, we didn't have lockdowns. So how can we understand this continued strong performance compared to those pre-lockdown numbers? Um, it's a really, it's a really good question. We kind of wrestled with it a little bit when we kind of first got the, the data through. Um, I think Ultimately, I would say that we've kind of reached a point of, of critical mass within the connected home space overall, a amorphous and difficult to pin down as it is. Um, but broadly, consumer levels of familiarity um, and ownership um, have reached a point that they're kind of pe people feel confident enough to buy some new devices. And as they bring those devices home and kind of unbox them and use them and feel the benefit, that drives a further kind of appetite to, to take up devices. Um, so, so broadly, we've seen over the last um, four or five years, actually, if we ask people whether they're familiar with the idea of kind of smart home technology, about 80% of consumers say, say yes, they, they've heard of it. I know, know something about it. Um, and actually, a very similar proportion of consumers now own at least one connected device at, at home. Um, but as take-up has built, we've kind of had this sort of virtuous circle where there have been gradual increases in the proportion of consumers um, who, as they own and use devices at home, feel that they know a lot or a fair amount, kind of feeling that they kind of have got the hang of what's going on and what, what these devices can offer for them. And that in turn kind of drives drives them to, to feel a bit more confident next time they've got a device to replace or they're looking to buy in a new category. Um, so that's kind of driving, I would say, quite a lot of the mass market trend. And we'll talk a bit, bit more about it later, but there's also a group of more advanced adopters who are really the most enthusiastic um, to invest, the kind of people who maybe want smart devices because they're smart rather than 
taking new smart and, and connected appliances because they need to replace something that's broken down or, or doesn't work as well as it used to. There's a range of different drivers, but fundamentally, I think we, we're at a point of kind of critical mass um, where it's easy and, and a lot of the barriers and concerns that consumers have just don't exist as much as they used to. That's an interesting point there about how consumers enter the market um, and how their, their experiences with that first connected home product, which may often have been a television or a smart speaker, may then encourage them to branch out and explore additional subcategories. Yeah, I mean, definitely. We're seeing um, more and more when we ask people a little bit about kind of whether they are connecting their devices at home. So whether they're plugging them into the, not plugging them into the Wi-Fi, but, but connecting them to the Wi-Fi. Um, across all kind of pretty much all of the products that we that we track, consumers are, are saying, yeah, they're, they're, they are connected to the Wi-Fi. They're, they, they are connecting it. They're not just bringing it home and using it as a dumb device. Um, so 79% of those who own smart energy and lighting devices now connected to their home network. Um, that's up 10 points um, from, from three years ago. Um, and if we look at smart security, that's moved from 52% in 2020 to 72% this year. Um, and in smart domestic appliances, so washing machines, fridges, dishwashers, um, 40% or 44% up to 50%. So more and more people are actually making use of those those connected and smart capabilities that they, those devices have. And that's unlocking kind of some, some positive experience and some engagement in kind of the, the wider smart home and, and connected home space. And that kind of, as I was saying a minute ago, kind of encourages people to, to feel confident about buying more next time. Um, and we're seeing strong growth in some of those sm kind of categories that would have been a bit smaller historically. So things like smart doorbells, smart detectors, thermostats, lights, alarm systems, and so on, um, where some of the categories that were driving growth historically, like TVs and smart speakers, have kind of plateaued a little bit as they reach more of a, a mature phase and we move out of adoption to, to slower replacement cycles. So in, in terms of the proportion of the overall population that feels that they have familiarity with, with connected home uh, concepts, they, that does seem to have plateaued out at around 80% um, quite consistently over a number of years now. Do you think that the market will, will gain any traction with, with that untapped fifth of people that... Um. That, the, the, the kind of the twenty percent who will refuse ever to admit that they're that they're very knowledgeable about smart home, that that in terms of of consumer adoption doesn't really worry me actually, Lewis. I think there's a group of people who will always kind of feel that they know less than some of their their peers than their family. Um, so I'm I'm less kind of I, I don't see that as a particular barrier. And actually, if we look at some of the 20% of people who say that they don't really know anything about smart home, um, some of them do own some smart and connected devices. Um, so there's quite likely to be a, a smart TV or a smart speaker. Um, they feel less knowledgeable than some of their peers, and maybe it's not a, a big motivator for them, um, but it's not necessarily a barrier to people kind of certainly taking out some products um, where there's a particular benefit to them. Um, so this is one of those places where I don't, I, I don't think at 80% kind of with, with some familiarity, and we, we generally see um, kind of between 35 and 40 percent of consumers saying that they know either a lot or a fair amount at those sorts of levels i don't think those are barriers to to further take up and then you mentioned on the other end you mentioned growth in in the number of advanced adopters which uh which we categorize as people who own more than three connected home devices do we have data on who these people are 
Yeah, we do. Um, and if we just go back kind of half a step, um, 34% of consumers um, tell us that they own more than three of the connected devices that we ask about. And that's grown quite strongly over the last couple of years. So it's 34% now, it's 24% two years ago. Um, so it's really in that kind of space where yeah, people have got growth. multiple yeah really big growth in that group who've got multiple devices at home um and, and the strongest take up um is amongst under 35s so about 45 percent of 16 to 35s tell us that they've got more than three devices and that then gradually drops to about 35 percent of 35 to 54s and then tails off um to about a fifth just over a fifth of, of over 65s um so we're we're seeing in broad terms, we've always seen that there's adoption of connected devices across the demographic. Um, but when we look at who the who kind of the, the strongest adopters are, the people who are really taking out owning multiple products, that is concentrated in kind of the, the younger demographic under 35s. So from this section of the report, which is primarily focused around sort of the demographics of the connected home market, um, for people coming at it from a marketing or a business development perspective, what would be the key takeaway um, that you think connected home companies should take from this part of the report? Um, so I think w without kind of wishing to kind of over promote the, the market, I think the first point really is that there's, there's lots and lots of room for growth. Um, so while we talk across the whole category about 80% of consumers owning at least one device and 34% and have got four or more. Actually, if we look at individual product categories, smart TV is the only one where ownership is above 50% of the population. So in all the other categories, there's still most of the population who you can still sell to, even if we kind of before we get to, to replacement. Um, and then based on the levels of familiarity that we're seeing, both the kind of the claimed understanding and the fact that 60% of consumers have got at least two connected devices at home, kind of just that that experiential familiarity, if you like. There's lots of room for, for further growth in individual product categories. So for brands and manufacturers who are actually trying to sell one of their products, there's, there's massive opportunity. And just to kind of fill that in a little bit more, I think that there are kind of three very broad kind of categories to, to think about. There's where you're trying to persuade a consumer to enter what's essentially a new category, something that they've, that they've never bought before because it hasn't really existed before. So I'm thinking here about things like home security. And so where smart doorbells are so different to just a button that you press that rings a bell, you're trying to persuade customers and, and explain to customers what the benefits are of, of what is a fundamentally new and different category. It might replace something that they had before, but it's, it's completely different. Then you've got kind of areas where connected and smart features are being built into quite familiar product categories. So might think here about kitchen appliances. People have, I, I've owned a washing machine for all of my adult life, um, but what is it that the, that, the, that the new connected and smart features would bring to a new washing machine next time I need to replace mine? Um, so kind of layering on additional benefits in familiar product categories. And then as the market matures, we really start to think about people who are upgrading or replacing existing smart devices. So people who've owned a smart TV for five, six, 10 years even, um, and are then either buying an additional device or replacing a, a product because it hasn't got a bigger screen as you can get these days or, or better screen qualities, where continuing to improve experiences and product capabilities compared to earlier generation 
connected devices is, is kind of where the messaging needs to be. So massive room for growth, but also in, in different areas. But I'd kind of encourage brands and, and manufacturers to think about what's specific to their category and what the, their, what benefits their brand is offering. And so with, with growing familiarity, we're seeing strong numbers across sort of a wide ra- a wider range of products than we may have seen in the past. Mm. Um, have we seen any real star performers over the last 12 months? We have. And kind of one of those categories, the, the, the real hero of the last couple of years, I, I would say probably since since lockdown hit in 2020, the real star performer has been been smart doorbells. Um, that's grown 8% um, in the last year. And we now have about 20% of UK consumers tell us that they've got a, a, a smart doorbell or a connected um, doorbell. And then sort of some, some related categories around home security and and, um, and home management. So smart detectors have seen 6% or 6 point um, increase in consumer uptake over the last um, year. So it's really in that space of home management, security and control that we're seeing the strongest traction at the moment where kind of going back three or four years, we would have been talking about smart speakers um smart watches, fitness trackers, um, and before that, smart TVs. Um, so that's where we're seeing the, the biggest uptake. I think kind of a, a at this point, you probably kind of draw the distinction between the measurement of consumer uptake, um, so the percentage of consumers who over time have bought a device and, and still tell yeah. us that they've got it at home and they're using it, so it's a cumulative take-up against shorter-term sales trends where um, – even if sales of, of smart speakers or smart TVs are dipping slightly, there are still quite large numbers of people who are buying one and therefore the kind of the ownership levels are continuing to go up, even if sales are, are maybe a little bit softer than were a couple of years ago. Um, so there's a distinction there to make between the two different types of data. Hopefully that's that's clear. Sure. Um, so our research also tracks kind of adoption drivers and barriers. Um, presumably there's a fairly steady over time. They are, Lewis. Broadly, they are. And I think one little caveat to that is that we we kind of we, we don't track the drivers or barriers in, in ways that are very specific to individual product categories. Um, but we've seen over the past few years um, that drivers of take up or, or interest and confidence are in large part about kind of the absence of barriers to take up. So if people are confident that they'll be able to to use a smart or connected device when they get it home, that it will kind of play nicely with the other devices that they've got at home and that they trust the brands that are kind of promoting and offering products to them. If those things are all in place, then kind of there's no reason why not to buy in a lot of um in a lot of, of for a lot of consumers um but there's also kind of on the more positive side there is also a, a growing belief in the benefits of connected devices so if people think that they will offer better features better experiences than more traditional alternatives um or if they think those devices will be fun to own and make their lives easier so fun probably more in the kind of the tv make their lives easier probably more in the domestic appliance kind of space um so, so those are also positive drivers of uptake. And most of those have been kind of trending upward gradually, but trending upwards over the last couple of years as the market's grown and consumers have been more familiar. They can actually, if they recognize that in reality, connected devices are quite fun to own. They do they do play nicely with, with other devices they've got at home. They are able to get them home and use them easily. So so all of those kind of are, are, are drivers of uptake. Um 
and, and within that, I think, uh, particularly as consumers have more devices at home, interoperability is is really a key consideration. Um, I always think it's a little bit too geeky for us to talk to consumers about. Um, so it does play out in a couple of different ways. I think for most people, it's really about just, just confidence. They'll be able to get the device home, take it out of the box, kind of connect it to the Wi-Fi, find an app on their smartphone, and, and they're off and running. And it doesn't need kind of reading a manual with small print that's too too small to read. Um, but then there is a, a a group of consumers who are kind of really smartening their home overall, trying to have kind of smart home systems where interoperability really is a driving factor, kind of confidence that their their devices will all be able to talk to one another to really unlock the benefits that they can offer. So that kind of area of of kind of ease of connection plays out in a lot of different ways in, in different places and for different consumers. So you you mentioned consumers feeling that they don't have enough knowledge or, to, or in order to be able to use the product. Um, what are the other key barriers to adoption that companies should be looking to address? So, so there are some key barriers and they've, they've been pretty consistent by and large over time. They vary a little bit by category, um, but they broadly are around the, the cost and the investment that people need to make in new connected devices. Um, some of these are quite big ticket items. Some categories, you do have to pay a bit of a premium for a, for a connected device. Um, there, there is that concern around lack of understanding, not really understanding the benefits. Um, and there are some concerns around security and privacy. Um, so on the kind of the, the first two of those, I think that the challenge for brands is particularly as consumers come into the kind of the purchase journey and, and think, actually, I've, I've never needed up to now because I haven't needed to buy a new washing machine. I haven't needed to understand what the benefits are of connectedness in, in a washing machine. Um, there, there are points of potential leverage and differentiation that, that brands can can try to lean on about what the um, the specific advantages that the user benefits that their products can offer, how they can target individual um, consumer segments. But that, that's kind of marketing fundamentals in lots of ways, and that will help to un- overcome um, the cost barrier. I think security and privacy is, is a little bit different, and it's a bit more of a meta brand level and almost kind of an industry um issue um, around building a sense of reputation um, for having the interests of consumers um, at heart in kind of product design um, and consumer protection as part of, of something that, that people can can invest in or feel confident about when they're, when they're buying a product. So for consumers to feel confident that the brand they're buying from is going to respect their personal data, handle it in a way that keeps it safe and doesn't exploit the data that they're, they're sharing. Um, and, and kind of we're seeing some industry certification schemes um, starting to be introduced that, that offer marks of quality and confidence to consumers. And I would say particularly that allow reputable brands to combat kind of the, 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 the threat of brands and products that are offering kind of prices that really are, are too good to be true because they're not investing in security and, and consumer protection in the way that they should be. Um, so that, that, there are a number of those different parents. They've been consistent over time, but they fall into those those broad areas of, of cost, understanding and, and security or privacy. So moving on to uh, an additional part of the, the report, while we generally aim to keep questions consistent across 
annual additions to enable year-on-year comparisons. We we do include sometimes new questions in response to sort of key emerging themes. So given the current cost of living crisis and the increasing cost of energy bills in particular, we did introduce some questions this year to understand how consumers perceive connected home devices specifically in relation to energy saving um, or potential energy savings. And what, what did we find there? Um, so it was an interesting question to, to try to add, and we spent a bit of time trying to work out a sensible way to ask it. And, and effectively, what we did was ask people kind of if they had to pay a little bit of a premium um, for the, for a device that offered some energy savings um, or, or allowed them to save money because it was more energy efficient, how long would they expect it to take for them to pay back that initial investment? If you like so, so that's the way we, yeah. we asked it. Um, and generally, consumers were were saying that they expected to save back the cost, kind of the extra cost of the product, in a little bit over a year. Um, so that was the kind of the payback period that that people were looking at around energy efficiency. Um, but we we also had asked um, actually in 2022 we added a, a question to those those drivers um, lists, um, and we saw even then that energy efficiency was one of the top three potential drivers of uptake. Um, that people were seeing a, an attraction um, in in taking connected devices if they were able to deliver kind of energy efficiency and, and cost savings that came with it. Um, so we have got a little bit of, of a longer term view on that, um, and I think kind of that that's been kind of brought to to front of mind absolutely by by the the energy um, and cost of living crisis um and kind of related to that we've kind of seen consumer advice from which and money saving expert and just wider kind of noise in national media um talking about how smart thermostats and other energy saving tech can help people to address kind of the the, the rising cost of their energy bills um so it's it's definitely an area where we've seen seen interest from consumers, but but also quite high expectations, and possibly unrealistic expectations about how how quickly people can save back, um, the, the money they might need to spend on connected devices. And so does that sort of suggest that this increasing investment in in energy efficiency devices that we have seen could be maybe more of a short term response to the heavy increases in energy prices that we've seen last year? Would we would we expect those gains? for the the market to subside if, if energy prices were to reduce in future? Um, I really don't think so, actually, Lewis. I, I don't. Um, I mean, for, for a few different reasons. For, firstly, in reality, very few devices actually save enough energy to justify the upfront investment in the short term. Um, mm. so, so there are very few devices where you can go out and, and, and spend kind of a, a fiver today and have saved a tenner by the end of next month. Um, I think one of the other key issues is as the cost of living crisis starts to ease, consumers will have a little bit more money to to spend. Um, so we've seen through the through the last year or eighteen months that sales have been relatively healthy, particularly given the kind of the, the wider economic environment. Um, and we've also seen over the last few years from lots of different sources that consumers absolutely recognise the threat of climate change and they understand the need to reduce their their CO two emissions. So. I think that there's undoubtedly a kind of a front of mind desire to reduce energy bills given the the current energy crisis and, and the cost of energy bills at the moment. There's a, a much wider um, 
recognition about the need to transition to net zero and consumers really are looking for ways to reduce their energy usage so so in that sense i don't expect kind of the the demand for more efficient devices to diminish um i think kind of adding to that one of the things that consumers don't really want to do is, is compromise too much on product performance um and this is where really there's a, a an opportunity for, for brands and an opportunity for consumers really um to align kind of better energy efficiency whether that's through more efficient product design or features that enable people to use their devices in ways that reduce their carbon footprint um so that it's really kind of a, a win-win in that sense i'm not having to compromise on product performance but it's also cheaper to run and, and kind of positive in terms of an environmental outcome I mean, in terms of methodology, it may also become a bit harder to track over time um, because of what we what we call an energy saving device. Because we, I, I think we're anticipating sort of a, a bit of a blurring of the lines there compared to sort of distinctly energy efficiency devices versus other types of connected home product. As you see, kind of integration of, for example, machine learning into heating devices or, and smart mm. blind shades in order to optimize energy performance sort of without impacting the user experience. It's, it's still a blind shade, but it does also now have an energy efficiency feature um, or, or smart washing machines that kind of optimize washing performance for each load by maybe detecting fabric types and soil levels and therefore adjusting detergent amounts and things like that, that would fall for within our report under smart domestic appliances. But again, it, it does have energy efficiency sort of built into just the the overall features Definitely. of the product. Definitely. There are there are devices that are getting more energy efficiency, more sorry, more energy efficient in the way that their motors run. Um, there are, as you said, kind of smart dosing that means that the device in, in usage can be a bit smarter and, and you kind of you don't overuse energy. And then you've got, as you say, the the connectedness that enables a device which is not in itself energy related to mm. kind of reduce your need to to run the central heating or turn fans on or air conditioning if you live in, in other parts of the world. So, so absolutely, there are different ways that energy efficiency can can play out. So kind of look, looking forward now to the, the next 12 months, um, what are you expecting to see in the market over the coming year? Um, predicting the future is always a difficult one. Um, we, we do ask consumers in the survey um, whether they expected to, to save, sorry, to, to spend um, more or less on, on connected home devices over the next 12 months. And, and the, the findings are broadly positive and I think kind of support the sense of, of momentum that we've seen over the last um, few years. Um, so 25% of consumers um, said that they expect to spend more on smart devices than, than they had previously. Um, that's about 40% if we if we look at just that group of, of advanced adopters who've got four or more devices. Um, and only 18% of consumers expect to, to spend less. So on a net basis, there's definitely a kind of an expectation that consumers will, will be spending a bit more on smart devices in, in future. Um, and, and obviously there are constraints on people's disposable income. Um, so whether consumers can kind of actually find the money to, to spend what they what they'd really like to or spend money on, on the devices they'd really like to own um, there's a very clear sense of kind of momentum and, and enthusiasm behind connected home devices um, and in some of the categories that we're talking about kind of the, the we're not always talking about a planned purchase people buy a, a, a smart 
washing machine because the old one broke down and therefore kind of there's some kind of there's forced purchase in there as well which is is always going to be a factor as well and of those consumers that will be spending more do we do we have any indication on which product categories they may be spending more on um, we do. We've, we ask as well as whether people own devices of, of particular types, we, we ask people whether they're interested or planning in on buying um, a device in, in, in the same category. Um, and I'd say broadly the area where there is kind of the, the strong and consistent consumer appetite is in areas that kind of, I, I might say, allow them to create smarter homes. Um, so things like smart home security, um, devices that help them to manage energy and control their, their, their home environment. Um, so that's things like motion detecting cameras, smart doorbells, leak and gas detectors, smart thermostats and things like that. Those are all categories where there's there's relatively strong kind of level of, of interest from consumers to, to take those products up. And, and we've seen over the last couple of years that those have all, by and large, had some, some traction. Um, I think maybe a, a little bit of a caveat to that is that they're they're all in themselves quite slow moving replacement categories. Um, so I think I, I wouldn't necessarily predict that that's not a, a prediction for the next six months or, or, or year necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I think that they would be areas that I would expect kind of healthy growth in sales over the last over the kind of the, the foreseeable future in a way. Um, I think the other caveat is that those are not necessarily categories that drive huge volume in the connected home space. So we'll still see smart speakers, smart TVs, smart watches, um, all being drivers of of overall category performance, particularly in some of those areas as people get into replacement of, of devices that they bought for the first time um, three, four, five years ago. So I think there'll, there'll be a mix of areas, um, but it's in kind of the home management security control area that I think there's the, the strongest immediate appetite from consumers. Um, we've focused so far primarily on the purchases of devices. Um, what about services that support these devices on an ongoing basis? <laughs> is, is this a potential growth area? I, I think it is. And and being perfectly transparent, it's always been a little bit of a gap in the in the survey, a bit of a blind spot. We've focused on devices and, and not so much on services. Um, and it's a bit more difficult to get a really good handle on services because of the way that services play a different role in different categories. Yeah. Um, so kind of for, if, if we take smart entertainment, it, it, to, to some extent, um, smart TVs and, and smart speakers are attractive partly because they are a way for consumers to make the most of streaming music, video and other content services. Um, so if you go back, five six years people were maybe watching netflix on their their phone or their laptop and being able to have it on the big screen at home on a smart tv that's a kind of that that's a, a real benefit um on the home management side i think we anticipate there's a a role for services that enable consumers to make the most of their devices in in different ways so that might be about optimizing the way that devices work together in order to really unlock the benefit of, of connecting multiple things within the home um maybe to unlock the benefits um and, and get a better understanding of how those devices are performing, how they are able, to, how consumers can kind of use them to, to manage their energy usage, if, if we go back to, the, to, to where we were a minute or so ago. Um, so I think in that in those sorts of areas, um, consumers might consider taking out subscription plans that kind of encompass connected home devices alongside 
services and software to give them a, a, a better, more holistic user experience. And that's what we tried to, to, to get at with a new survey, a, a new question in the survey this year. So we asked people whether they used a subscription service um, to access additional features on your smart products. And we then kind of clarified by saying, okay, if that was that, that might be, for example, security camera footage that you can look at remotely or to store your data securely. And yeah, to this was about yeah, streaming yeah, services. Yeah, really trying to get to steer people away from, from Netflix and, and Spotify. Um, and about one in five consumers said that they were already using a paid subscription service. Um, so that was, it was one of those questions where I really didn't know what sort of answer to expect um, and that felt that it was it, it was reasonably high actually um, and that kind of was probably a little bit higher than, than I'd expected and, and if we look at um, under 35s um, that's up at about 35% um, and also amongst those advanced adopters who've got four or more devices that's that's kind of 30% um, so within those groups of most enthusiastic adopters there's definitely a, a, a sizable minority who are who are using kind of paid subscription services and then you've also got people who are using kind of services that, that probably are, are well they're, they're certainly free because we asked them um, but they, they, they may well just be the apps that kind of came with the device that enable them to, to, to control it so there's there's definitely familiarity with using apps and for some a, a willingness and a, a, a kind of a, a recognition they're already paying some 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 premium subscriptions to, to access those devices I think also in future the consumers may move away from that sort of simple device purchase and ownership model. Um, we've seen a few developments on the market recently, including, for example, the launch of uh, Sky Protect in the UK, yeah. where um, devices are included as part of a home insurance package, sort of ensuring security and maybe some sensors and things like that. Um, and in America, there's been a lot of interest in a new company called Tele that have been uh, giving away high quality TVs for free, provided that consumers accept to receive personalized advertisements. So I think, yeah, it's not going to be going forward just as straightforward as how many devices have been sold. Absolutely not. I think there will be kind of opportunities for companies to get creative around how they kind of build their own commercial model, um, whether those are kind of device people in the in the business of selling devices also for service providers who can um work with manufacturers and with the the, the ecosystems to unlock benefits for consumers um and and there's that that's where kind of people in very different roles than than me can can really really exercise their creativity to understand um what consumers are looking for how they can can create new benefits and new advantages for consumers well, I think that brings us towards the end of today's podcast. And thanks, Trevor. Fascinating insight and uh, grateful, as always, for JFK's collaboration with us on this project. Very welcome, Lewis. It's always um, a fun part of the year to, to see what's moved on um, from what we thought was exciting last time. And uh, if listeners would like to get in touch with you, um, we'll put your email in the uh, in the podcast notes. But uh, it's trevor.godman, G-O-D-M-A-N, at jfk.com. Absolutely. And anyone listening, if you'd like to get involved in Tech UK's work around the connected home space, um, I'm Lewis Wormsley-Brown. You can find my contact details on the Our Team page of the Tech UK website, so feel free to get in touch. And um, once again, the report is available to download on our website. You can just search Tech UK State of the Connected Home 2023. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, Lewis.